Well, hey, good morning, Northside family. My name is Nate. If it's your first time here, I want to welcome you. We've got to meet a few new people this morning. And can we welcome everybody online real quick? Just want to say hello to them and welcome. And, uh, my dad and mom are in Romania right now visiting my sister. And dad texted me right before the Saturday night service said, we're catching the midnight viewing of you here in Romania. And I'm like, you are a crazy man. Uh, but hey, we know we're traveling and things are going on. We just want to remind you when you're on the road, tune in online because God wants to share with us today. And this is what I can guarantee you is this. Every time you hear God's word, God has hope for you and I today. And that's why we're doing this series called Chill, because even if you're not a believer and you're listening and you're here today, it's this, every single one of us in this place are looking for rest. Man, we're looking for our souls to come alive. We're looking for something to revitalize us, to rekindle us. I know we're coming off a fall break and some of you come back from vacation. Now you're more tired this week than you were last week. And we're going, man, I need some rest. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, what we're doing in this series is this. We are looking at how Jesus says, I've come to give you rest. The question for you and I today is this. Will we follow the rhythms of Jesus? See, Jesus isn't saying, I'm trying to keep rest from you. Jesus says, I've come to give you rest. But rest is a rhythm. Rest is you and I finding the ways of Jesus and following the ways of Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to put this up on the screen and I want us to say this out loud. These are the words of Jesus that he said to everybody because he knows people are looking for rest in their soul. And let's say this out loud together. It's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Let's say it together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've come to give you rest. I remember growing up in the church at the beginning of service, a lot of times people would say this. They go, no matter what you're carrying in this place today, leave it at the door and let us come worship Jesus. The only problem is this, guess what you're gonna encounter as soon as you leave the room? All of your problems, right? And oftentimes I say, just leave them at the door and let's come in here and Jesus goes, no, 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 don't leave them at the door. Bring all of your problems, bring all of your burdens, bring all of your weariness to me because I've come to give you rest. See, I give you rest that the world can't give you. Too many times, this is the reason why we don't have rest. Doesn't mean that we're, we're not tired or we need a nap, but what Jesus knows is this, our souls need this rest. And he says this, that rest is a rhythm. He says, come to me, but then he doesn't just say, come to me with all of your burdens and wearies. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Begin to walk in my ways, begin to know who I am, begin to allow my rest to go into every area of your life. Begin to allow the ways of Jesus to be your greatest priority. Over the past couple of weeks is what we've been doing is learning the rhythms that Jesus talks about in this passage. One thing that we learned is this a couple of weeks ago is that we need time for reflection. If you and I are always on the go, here's what will happen. We will never be at a place where we're making the wisest decisions for our life. We need to have time to reflect on God's word. We need to be able to slow down and allow Jesus to look in. Last week, my dad talked about recreation, how God has designed our life to have fun. 
And man, we need to have joy in our life. Uh, last weekend, me and a couple of buddies, we went and we did, uh, we only do this about once a year. And uh, we went, we had a, a golf weekend, a couple of us. And, uh, and I, I just had a picture, man. I, Dad was preaching about recreation and I wanted to practice the sermon. And uh, so this was our dinner one night, steak and cookies. That's all we had. And uh, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of when it's a man's weekend, that's what it is, right? You buy the cookies or you get some raw meat out there. And it was incredible. But there was something that happened. There was something that happened, and the golf demoralized us. We were like, what are we doing? We're paying for our own humiliation. But what was happening was this. When we would sit around, just guys began to share what was going on in their life. One guy began to share his testimony with other guys. It wasn't really like planned, but life just started pouring out about how God started doing this in his life, and he was in the lowest place, and he started sharing all the details with all the guys. Man, this is where I was, and I was broke, and I was this, and I was this, and all the other guys didn't know that. And it was just this incredible moment. I remember uh, when we were leaving, one of the guys came up to me and he said this. He said, Nate, he said, I didn't know how much I needed this weekend. I didn't know. And here was the rhythm. What he was saying is this. I didn't know how much I needed other brothers to walk with me in my life. He said, what was amazing was this, before he went on the trip, his wife and I were talking about it, and, and he said, his wife said, I'm so glad you're getting to go on this. You need this. You need this time with other friends. You need this time with relationships. And then he, she said this, uh, I, I know there's a lot of things I, I need to do, but I, I just don't have time. And then he said this, she stopped herself, and she said, no, I just don't make time for this. And I wonder if today, for you and I, part of the reason why we don't have rest it's because we're not making time for godly relationships around us. See, what we're going to look at today and what Jesus is going to call us to today is this. Rest is found in our rhythm of relationships. That rest comes when you and I have other godly people that walk with us, that we make time to walk with one another. That we have time to hear each other's stories, that we have time to pour in to each other. Rest comes through relationships. Now, I know some of you are like, Nate, I've got enough relationships, I'm fine. Or, or you just hear that phrase, relationship, and the thing that comes to your mind is like floss. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's what happens with floss. It's like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to floss and all this other stuff, and, and, and we do it. And, and here's the thing. Just show of hands real quick. How many people actually floss every day? Okay, you are way more spiritual than me, right? You know what I'm saying? How many people you floss the week or just the day of your, your cleaning appointment? These are my people right here, right? Boy, it was awkward to confess that in front of my dentist last night at the Saturday night service. I'm like, Dr. Harper, I'm sorry, right? You know, and, and here's the thing about flossing. A lot of us, we go, yeah, I know I need to floss and all this other stuff and flossing's good. Is it really? I don't know. I didn't learn till this year that literally it's all it's scientifically proven that actually when you floss, it extends your life expectancy by guess what? Six years. Do you know that? You're like, oh, whoa, 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 here's why, you ready? When you floss, here's what happens. It reduces gum disease and it reduces heart disease. Now, here's the thing. You don't recognize the benefit of it until six years before you die, right? It's like, it's like years and years and years later that you're like, man, I should have flossed, right? Now, here's what happens. A lot of times we hear this relationship. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah godly relationships. God loves me. I believe in him. I'm fine with him. But are we really? And oftentimes, here's what happens when it comes to relationships. We don't know the, the impact of them until later on. 
We don't know how much it changes our life. We don't know how much, man, we just needed people to unload our hearts and our lives and people to come alongside us and walk with us. Uh, statistics have showed, and this was even before the whole COVID season, uh, but statistics showed this, that loneliness, loneliness, they can equate this, it increases your death rate by 26% when you live a lonely life. And, and not only that, this is what I, they also found is this, if you live a lonely life, or if you live a life where other people are not a part of your life, this is what they found. It takes a physical toll on you and they were able to measure that it equates to the physical impact of 15 cigarettes a day on your physical body for those who live life alone. I love what Sean Prokis says, one of our ministers here on staff, he says this, he goes, isn't it interesting that all of Harvard or all these studies only show and tell us what the Bible told us 3000 years ago? did you know that it's not good for you to be alone? And it's like, huh, I feel like I read that somewhere in there, right? Maybe in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, here's the thing for us today that we're gonna have to find out is this. See, our rest comes in this rhythm of relationship. This is what I find interesting. A lot of times we feel like it's just us that need to have relationships and the one who could have lived without them, Jesus made time for them. You look at the life of Jesus and you go, oh, you're God's son. You don't, need to ha you don't need anybody. You can just live by this. The only thing is this. Yes, he was fully God's son, but he was also fully human, which means this. He came to show us how to live. And what you find Jesus doing in this, in his ministry, he didn't do ministry alone. He had the 12 what? The 12 disciples. Because this is what Jesus knew. I can't be my best version by myself, but I need brothers around me. I need sisters around me who are pouring into me, who are walking with me, who are encouraging me. Jesus knew it himself. He's going, I, I love this. In Mark, actually, Mark chapter 14, verse 34, listen to what he says. He talks about this. This is right when he's about ready to go to the cross. This is his last night. He tells his disciples, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's going, I'm overwhelmed. And then he just says this to his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Stay with me in my moment of crisis. Stay with me in my moment of pain. Stay with me as I'm continuing to be obedient with Jesus. Jesus knew this. He would not be faithful to God without a family of believers around him. See, this is why the church is so important. Sometimes we can come into this place and we go, this place doesn't need me. Can I just let you know, without you, we are not who God has called us to be. Without you, we are not who God has called us to be. This is the beauty and the power of the church that it takes every single one of us in this place. It takes every single one of us to live and follow the ways of Jesus. And Jesus lives this. This is why you even see this in the corporate world. Now, now some, as soon as I say that word corporate, some of you are like, oh goodness, yeah, corporate, right? Can, can I just let you know that word corporate? Actually, the Latin word for corporate is corpse, which means this, body. Isn't it interesting that corporate feels soulless? And now corporate, you see this in organizations all across the world. You know what they're trying to regain? Their soul. They're going, how do we actually take care of people? How do we take care of people? Because this is what they know is this. If all we are is in production, but we don't take care of people, we will never be the organization that we're supposed to be. Could it be that comes in the root identity of who God has called us to be? That we're to be people who make time for one another. 
And some of you are already saying this, Nate, I got community around me. You know, I, I CrossFit, you know, at the gym. I got my, I got my workout community. Some of you are on, tra- you got travel ball. You got, you're like, man, I'm with these people every weekend. Can I just ask this question though of your community that you have around you right now? Here's the one question I wanna ask you today. Is the community around you helping you grow to become more like Jesus? I'm not saying you can't have a community at your gym or you can't be friends with people on the travel ball or in your neighborhood. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. What I'm saying is this, is the closest community around you, the community that's helping you to grow like Jesus. I remember growing up, I heard this over and over again when I would go to church and youth ministry, is this phrase, it said this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because this is what we know, we are impacted, we are influenced by those that we give influence into our life. And a big thing for us as followers of Jesus today is this, we need this godly community. Tonight uh, at at my house, my wife Ruthie, she's got a a couple of girls, we're in a life group, but then on Sunday night she has a couple girls come over to the house and uh, there's about four or five of them and every Sunday night they get together, it's gonna be a beautiful day, so they'll probably be out on the patio tonight, uh, which means I'm on for bedtime tonight, you know what I'm saying? I'll be putting the three kiddos down, but every Sunday night they get together and they open God's word and they share life and they pour into each other and I can tell a difference immediately when she comes into the house it's palpable it's different and this is what I know she's been with other godly believers who have challenged her who have encouraged her who have prayed for her and here's what happens she comes in as a different woman there is nothing like the power of God's community around us Here's what I want us to get today as we look at the words of Jesus, as we practice the rhythm of Jesus is this. I got to let you know this. Jesus loves you completely right now. Right now, Jesus loves you completely. There's nothing else that you can do to earn his love. He loves you completely. But here's what you got to know. Without his people, our life is incomplete. And Jesus loves you completely. Please hear that. He loves you completely. But without his people, our life is incomplete. Our life is incomplete. Some of you are like, where's that in scripture? All right, that scripture is going to verify scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. Listen to what Paul says. Every letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he had to write to encourage, correct, or challenge the church because they started walking away from Jesus. And he writes to the church in 1 Corinthians, the church in Corinth, they were a crazy church. And what was happening is this, they started believing some wrong theology and he begins to talk to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, he says, listen guys, the body is a unit, talking about a physical body. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. And then listen to what he says, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. Sometimes we believe it's just will you believe in God and that's it. Yes, we need to place our faith in Jesus. But when we place our faith in Jesus, we become the family of God. We become the body of Christ. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized into one spirit, into one body. And then check this, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. What Paul was reminding the people and what he's reminding you and I today is this. There is nothing like the kingdom of God on the earth. There was nothing at that time that could bring nations together. Because here's how the the world was wired at that time. Rome has their government, has their God, has their way of life. And guess who Rome hated? Everybody. And guess who hated Rome? Everybody. Everybody. 
And so the world was at odds until Jesus shows up. And he says, you know how the Romans are going to get along with the Jews? And you know how the Jews are actually going to get along with the Romans? And do you know how we're not going to belittle women? And you know how men aren't going to walk in arrogance? And you know how we're not going to treat slaves and people who are poor, who are just working, and people are abusing and oppressing them? You know how we're going to do that? Jesus and his community. See, there is nothing like the kingdom of God, there is nothing like the people of God here on earth. Andy, at the beginning of service, talked about oh, over the last two weeks, we've had 335 people go to Guatemala. And let me preface it with this. You do not need to go to Guatemala to experience the kingdom of God, okay? You can experience the kingdom of God today. You can experience them in your home today. You can experience them in your work every week. You align your life to it. But there's something that happens when you and I as the church, and why we do these short-term mission trips, it's this, it jolts us to recognize the bigness in the kingdom of God. What was amazing was this, uh, our medical team, Dr. Stuart Eldridge and a number of other medical people led the, the teams down there. They saw 195 medical patients just in these community. A lot of people never received treatment before, but this is what I loved. After every time they would meet them, they would begin to have a spiritual conversation with them. And they wouldn't just meet their physical needs, they would also begin to meet their spiritual needs. And I just want to share this, 28 people down there gave their life to the Lord through the medical clinics. It was just this amazing movement of God because this is what began to happen. People began to go, no, 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 what does it look like if life isn't just about me and God, but life is actually about you and me being the people of God to those who don't know God? What was incredible was it wasn't just that people down in Guatemala gave their life to the Lord. Seven of our own people got baptized. And then here was what was so cool. One of the people that got baptized was one of the interpreters down there. And, and I don't know if they knew what they were in for. Matter of fact, Doug Newland was telling me this. Uh, the interpreter, who was a college student from uh, Guatemala City. And, you know, they got paid to come down there and be an interpreter. The interpreter showed up, started interpreting, and then stopped and asked Doug and said, hang on, what are y'all doing here? And it was like, did you not know what you signed up for? They're like, no, they just said we were going to get paid. I'm here, right? Just a broke college kid. Like, yeah, you need me to speak English. I'll show up. And they began to have this conversation. Doug said, began to have this conversation with this interpreter. It was like, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're a church and we're down here and we're partnering costs for Cristo and people don't have homes. And the church remembers people and you bless people and you meet people right where they are. And we're here to do this and they're here to do this. And the whole week, the interpreter kept asking, now, why are you doing this? Now, now why are you doing this? At the end of the week, they said, if this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm in, and gave their life to the Lord that week. Man, there was just something about the kingdom of God. See, the rest you're looking for, yes, it is in Jesus, but it's experienced through his body, his people. See, this is what's so beautiful about the body of Jesus. Every single one of us come into a relationship with Jesus as a broken individual. And God says, I take broken things and I make them whole again. What you'll find in the New Testament is this. The more you study the New Testament, the more you find the rhythms of God. Here's what you're going to find. There's this phrase you find in the New Testament a hundred times in the New Testament. It's this phrase. You ready? One another. One another. Matter of fact, 59, 59 times it's commanded in the New Testament. One another. One another. Here's how you grow in your relationship through one another. Matter of fact, if you want your marriage to be healed, here's the key ingredient. You ready? Out one another, one another. 
right? Just outdo one another. Make your life and your marriage about one another. When you begin to serve one another, I got rebuked in my premarital counseling. They said, what makes a marriage 100%? I'm like, well, I bring 50, she brings 50. I'm not a math major, I'm a pastor, right? You know, that's 100%. Eh, wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? 50, 50 equals 100. They go, ah, oh, here's what marriage is. It's you being 100% and them being 100%. And see, as the family of God, as the people of God, are you in that type of relationship? Jesus says it, and actually this gets quoted 16 times in the New Testament. Listen to what he says in John chapter 13, verse 34. His last night with his disciples, he says, a new command I give you. Here's how he's going to mark the church. Here's how the church is going to be known. Here's how the church is going to flourish. Here's how you and I are going to have a life that flourishes. A new command I give you, a new rhythm. Love one another. Now, here's the thing. The world is all about love, isn't it? But Jesus says, not as the world loves. He says this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Here's what Jesus was saying. That the community of Jesus, you and I, the community of Jesus grows us towards maturity in Jesus. If you want to grow in maturity in Jesus, here's how it's going to happen. It's by you and I practicing the community of Jesus. Oftentimes we're stuck, and here's why. Our life is just about ourselves. And Jesus says, I want to begin to bring rest into your life, but it's through a life of one another. It's through this life of you pouring into one another, allowing time for one another. Matter of fact, I took the top 20 of those 59 commands. I want to put them up on the screen. It'll be in our sermon notes. Maybe you want to get your phone out, take a picture of this, right? I figured 59 would put you to sleep faster than you're going to fall asleep here in a second or whatever, you know, and, and it's one of these things. And here's just the top 20 things all throughout scripture just says this over and over again. Hey, be devoted to one another. Hey, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, build one another up, accept one another, admonish one another, which means this, speak truth into each other's life. Serve one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak the truth and love to one another, be kind and compassionate, submit, consider, look to the interest of one another, bear with one another, teach one another, comfort, eat, encourage, show hospitality. That's why we have coffee. Praise the Lord, right? Pray for one another, right? Why do you all have coffee in that church? I'm just trying to be hospitable. Here's what I love. Alan Hirsch says, it says this. He says, the church doesn't have a mission he says, the mission of God has a church. See, when we begin to get that understanding, it's not just that the church has a mission, it's that the mission of God to redeeming all things has a church. And when you and I begin to open ourselves up to the community of God, when you and I begin to value relationships, what we begin to find is this, yes, you and I don't have it all figured out, but the spirit does, he begins to pour into us. Now, some of you already are going, Nate, relationships are hard and messy. That's right, they are, right? But we all know where we are when we don't have godly relationships in our life. We all know how stagnant we are we don't have people speaking into us. Here's what I've known. I've just, uh, I've just discovered this past couple of years. In every season of life, here's what I figured out. I have no idea what I'm doing. When you get married, you have no idea what you're doing. When you graduate high school, I'm going to college. You have no idea what you're doing. When you become a parent, you really don't have an idea what you're doing, right? When you face retirement, 
Who are you without your job? You have no idea what you're doing. Here's what we need. Godly community around us. Helping us walk out the ways of Jesus. Helping us follow the one who knows what they're doing. I love what in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says, yeah, relationships are messy. Relationships are hard. Matter of fact, he, he doesn't just say relationships are a pain in my neck. Listen to what he says. He tells the Galatians church because they're getting whacked in their theology. They're losing Jesus and the cross and everything else. They're, they're kind of making Jesus whoever they want him to be. And listen to what he says. He tells them in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, my dear children, for whom I'm again, and I love this, in the pains of childbirth, He's like, you're not a pain in my neck. You put me in labor. Like, I am in labor because of you all. But I'm in labor until Christ is formed in you. What Paul knows is this. Relationships are worth it because here's why relationships are worth it. Because Christ is being formed in you. And here's what I know. When I make my relationships about Christ being formed in you, I want to give myself to those relationships. I want to walk with those who are longing to have Christ be formed in. I want to sacrifice for those who are desperate to see the ways of Jesus come alive in their life. There is nothing greater than you and I can give our lives to than to see people's lives being formed in the ways of Jesus. And so what keeps us from this? What keeps us from this way of living in community? What keeps us from this? Just one thing I found is this. You know what kind of really keeps us from the get-go? It's isolation. Isolation isn't just something that COVID created. Can I just let you know this? Isolation is what happened to us when sin came into the world. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, guess what Adam did? Anybody remember? He hid. He went into isolation. Can I let you know? That's where you and I start in our life. It's called our sin nature. And because of our sin nature that we're born into, here's what happens to you and I. We live ashamed, we live embarrassed, and so here's what happens. We isolate ourselves. We can be here, but you ever been in a situation where you go, somebody's with you, but you knew this, they're not with you. Oh, you're here, but you knew they're not here. And here's what I love about Jesus. Just like God, God shows up and he tells this to Adam and Eve. He says this, I know you're in isolation, but he says this, where are you? I love this about Jesus. He says this, he doesn't go, go and get rest and then come back and tell me how you're doing. He says this, come to me. Come out of your isolation to me and I will give you rest. Begin to make yourself Known. I love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says in his book. It's a classic called Life Together, talking about the Christian community. He says, this is what we have to remember, that sin demands to have a man by himself. You ever realize this? You and I, we always win our imaginary arguments. I am undefeated 40 years in the making right now. You know what I'm saying? My parents have lost. My teachers have lost. My coaches have always been wrong. It could never be me. It's always the coaches. My bosses are wrong. It's everybody. When I'm having the imaginary conversation, I always win. I always win. My boom, mic drop, take that, right? And then I'll tell my wife, hey, this is what I was thinking. And then she'll say this, what were you thinking, right? It's like amazing when we say it out loud. Everybody's like, you have lost your mind. Sin demands to have us by ourselves, Because this is what Satan knows. When we're by ourselves, we, we are always the smartest. We're always right. And you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that a fool. We're foolish. 
That's why I love James chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God. He'll come near, not because he's distant, but he knows this. When you come to, you, when you come to him, he's already there. When you begin to go, God, I'm not going to live in isolation anymore. God, I'm going to begin to live your ways. God, I'm going to walk in your ways. The healing begins. Oftentimes, here's the mistake, though. Maybe we come out of isolation. We give our life to the Lord, but the only thing is this. Here's our problem. We live a life of independence. Okay, me and God are good. I don't need anybody else. Can I just let you know that's not biblical? Man, we need each other. Matter of fact, this is why our life, our life group, this is kind of our mantra, that life change happens together. I don't change by myself. I change with others. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul tells the church, he tells you and I today this. He says this, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What he's saying is this, you cannot be the follower that God has called you to be by yourself, but you and I were made to carry each other's burdens. Uh, Steve Zeller, the dad of uh, Cody Zeller and Luke and Tyler Zeller, if you know about them out of Washington High School, you know, Cody went on to play, IU's playing in the NBA right now. Uh, he, wrote, he, he and his wife, Lori, wrote a book about raising these three boys because everybody's going, man, how would you raise three such godly, athletic boys who love the Lord? And they begin to tell their story. And Steve told this story that was most defining as a parent. He said that uh, Luke, their oldest, who went to Notre Dame, you know, was starting to get popularity. And he was playing in an AAU tournament about three or four hours away from home. And he said there was all this buildup. Luke, you know, scholarships are on the line. And he said, Luke went up there and he lost every game that weekend. Every game his team lost. And he said, on the ride back, Steve was telling the story. He said, for three hours, all I did was talk about all the holes in his game. You got beat in transition defense. That guy was better than you in the post. Bah, 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 bah. Just told him. And he said, for three hours, he was just meticulously going over his son's game, telling him every single wrong, every single place. He said he didn't realize it, but for three hours, a whole drive home, he said they got to Spencer County to pull off to go to McDonald's. And as they pulled in, Luke looked right at him and he said this, Dad, did I do anything right? I do anything right. He said it was then, Steve was totally convicted. All I've been is a parent who has criticized my son and I've carried none of his burdens. And he said that, that changed it as a parent. He said, here's what I would do. He said, after they would play, I would ask, how do you think you did? And then if they wanted my insight, they could ask for it. But outside of that, I wouldn't give it. And what he was doing was this. He was being reminded as a parent. You know what his job as a parent is? It's not just to criticize our kids. Our job as a parent, yes, speak wisdom into our kids, but this is what he knew. I need to carry my kids' burdens. Here's the thing for us today. It's easy to be a critic, isn't it? You know what I don't need? I don't need more critics. But you know what I do need? People who will carry my burdens. You ever realize this? If I were to sit down with you, you would tell me your top five insecurities, all your deficiencies, all the areas you want to get better at. I can give you mine. I don't need more critics. I need people who will carry my burdens. You don't need more critics. But you need a church family 
who will carry your burdens. You a critic? Or are you known as somebody who carries burdens? See, this is the difference of what the church is. Matter of fact, we're going to do something today a little bit different. We're going to invite you after the service. If you just need prayer, I don't care what's going on in your life. If you need prayer, we just want to invite you after the service. Just stay seated. Our staff and our team, we're going to come by. And you know what we're going to do with you today? We're going to carry your burden. We're going to carry your burden. We're just going to be people who just come alongside you. James 5, it says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Could be that the healing that you need in your life is because you're living in isolation. And what you need is the community of God to come around you. I, I was struck by this passage as I was thinking about this. This happened everywhere in scripture. It's this, there wasn't one person who was great in the Bible who didn't have community around him. I was thinking about Moses and Moses, you know, he's this great leader, but there was this moment that his father-in-law uh, came up and started criticizing him. And I was like, oh boy. And, and this is what happens generationally, isn't it? Like, like we, we, we think about Gen Z and we're like, that crazy Gen Z, right? The only way you can talk to your kid is through Snapchat today. These, these crazy Gen Z, right? And Gen Z's like, oh yeah, well, you lazy millennials, right? And then us millennials like, okay, boomer, right? And it's one of these sayings, right? Like everybody's at odds with everybody and no generation really respects everybody. And then, there's even a new book out called The New Diversity by Tim Elmore is talking about this in the workplace. We need to understand the generational differences. And there's this passage in Moses' life. He was burning out. And what happened was this. He had community that came around him to give him a different way to live. Listen, here's how the story goes in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. It says, the next day Moses took a seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. This was his daily life, just like your life and my life. And when his father-in-law saw that all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Why all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Do you hear the father-in-law? Some of you are like, oh, I got that father-in-law, all right? Moses answered him, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will, and whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I have to decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. And listen to what Moses' father-in-law replied. What you are doing is not good. Thanks a lot, right? But he doesn't stop there. What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Some of you, you feel that today. You're trying your hardest. You're running as fast as you can, and you're just wearing yourself out. He says, the work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. See, he's not just a critic. He's carrying his burden. May God be with you in this. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as official over thousands and hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves and that will make your load lighter. 
because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. And these people will go home satisfied. And then here it is, you ready? Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Moses was burning out. And here's the thing for most of us in this place, you're on the verge maybe of burning out and here's been the problem, you don't even know it. But when there is godly community around us, when there are men and women around us who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are speaking into our life, who aren't just in our life to be a critic, but they're here to carry our burdens. You and I begin to experience a rest that only God can give us. What we wanna do is this, in a moment we're gonna sing, but we've put these cards in your cup holder on your seat with a pen, and here's what we wanna invite you to do is this. For some of you, you may feel like Moses today, you may feel just totally overwhelmed. Or maybe you feel absolutely all alone. And here's what we wanna do today. We just wanna practice this relational skill of telling God what our burdens are. And maybe this week in your life group, or maybe this week with some godly friends, you'll begin to share this, this is my burden. And what we want you to do today is this. We just want you to know, one, that God is here to carry your burdens. That's what the cross is all about. But two is this, after service, if you, if you need prayer, we're gonna come alongside you. But right now, here's what we want you to do. Just want you to tell God what your burdens are. Say, God, this is where I need you to carry me. It's where I need the loving arms of God. And so right now, let's take a moment, write these burdens out, and I'm gonna tell you what to do with them here in a moment, and we're gonna sing. But right now, let's just have an honest conversation with God about the weight that we're carrying right now, and then we'll sing together.